Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today are Heidi Skolnick and Stephen Perrine, co-authors of a new book, The Whole Body Reset, Your Weight Loss Plan for a Flat Belly, Optimum in Health, and a Body You'll Love at Midlife and Beyond. Heidi is a national nutrition expert and former Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation board member. Her company, Nutrition Conditioning, oversees the Performance Nutrition Program at the Juilliard School and the School of American Ballet and she has been part of the Women's Sports Medicine Center at the Hospitals for Special Surgery in New York for over 20 years. Her co-author, Stephen Perrine, is the founding editor-in-chief of The Arrow, a newsletter aimed at Gen X men. He is also the author and co-author of more than 20 international bestsellers, including the Eat This, Not That series. As executive editor for AARP, the magazine, and the AARP Bulletin, he oversees health and wellness coverage, reaching more than 35 million readers. Heidi and Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. It is great to be here. Thank you very much. So let's just jump in. I would love to hear from you both a little bit more about the book. So give me a little bit of background on how you two came together to collaborate on this project. Heidi, you want to start? And then Stephen, you can jump in. Well, Stephen and I actually have known each other for uh, like, dare I say, 30 years. And he came up with this great concept. I'll let him share how he came to that. But when he called and asked if I would collaborate, I was really, really excited because This is information I know about sitting in all of the different conferences I sit in, reading all the papers that I read, but I didn't have a platform to share this great scientifically based concept and knowledge and content. And so I'm excited and passionate now that I've aged in to midlife and beyond to really share all this information to help, you know, your listeners and all of our readers live a really strong and vital and healthier future. That's awesome. Yeah, you know what? At AARP, we get a lot of health questions and they land on my desk because my uh, job is to manage health content. And the question we get over and over again is, I used to be thin. Now I'm not. Why? And for many, many years, we assumed it had to do with slowing metabolism. In fact, a study came out this summer that showed that metabolism actually doesn't slow as we age. And what is happening, and the reason why we gain weight in midlife, has a lot to do with um, risk factors for osteoporosis. It's because we lose muscle as we age. You know, I have been reporting on uh, health and wellness and specifically nutrition for 25 years. I was shocked to discover that I didn't know this information. And it's because media really likes to cater to the 
30-year-old gym rat who wants to get shredded, ripped, torn, mangled, what have you, in time for summer, or people who want to lose 18 dress sizes in a week for that reunion. But when it comes to healthy eating for older people, we don't get the information that we need. It's simply not out there. As Heidi said, there's nothing in this book that's crazy or woo-woo or not scientific or not very well established in the scientific community. It's just information that people who are concerned about weight gain and osteoporosis and frailty at midlife are not getting. That's so important because, like, as you said, there's so little information out there for people at midlife. And I think we all saw that article about metabolism. It was one of those things where we're like, oh, darn it, has nothing to do with, you know, metabolism as we were, we were all told. And then you sort of had an out, right? Well, it's not me. It's my slow metabolism. And it's like, nope, it's, it's you. It's that same process that we've been hearing about, you know, our whole lives about calories in, calories out, and, you know, the input and output on uh, output on exercise, that's so important. So having known you for years, Heidi, I know that you've always taken a really a scientific approach to healthy aging and weight in general. And I remember you talking a lot about, you know, people at varying ages and people at various stages of life could be healthy even if they're not at their ideal weight, which is, I think, something that's so important for people to know because we equate healthy with being the perfect size. And that's not always the case, right? And so I'm imagining that's some of what this book will talk about. Well, in fact, I think you're right on, Claire. I mean, I think even even though the headline here is about weight loss, and we did use the whole body reset plan with a panel of experts, I mean, with a panel of participants at AARP, and they all lost weight. And that's a great outcome if that fits your body. But it's really about the process and that, you know, we're not talking about people changing their body, becoming a different person. Like, I I hope at this age, you have some sense of self-acceptance and body acceptance and, you know, allow for who we are genetically to be who we are. So we're not talking about changing who you are, but there is an element of, you know, age-related weight gain. And that is different than changing your body. Right. And so we do want to stop that age-related weight gain that can interfere. And we'll talk a little bit more about why that's so important with health outcomes. Yeah. And we all do have a certain sense of vanity as well. So yes, I mean, I don't want to ignore that. That is a motivator. But it's really about understanding about how all these health outcomes are related to some of this weight creep that can occur. And maintaining muscle, we do... It isn't as simple as just calories in and calories out because there is certainly that portions matter, but we are talking about shifting and making sure, expanding your food choices, eating enough calories, not dieting, making sure you get enough calories in and really this idea of protein timing. Yeah. And I'm going to let Steve really take the, the lead here, which on anabolic resistance means and why eating enough protein is so very important at this age. Right. So when we say metabolism doesn't slow at midlife, well, that's good news because that means that you do have some control over this midlife weight gain, right? What is happening 
is that once you're past the age of 30 or so, you begin to lose muscle. In fact, if you, if you make a muscle, if anybody listening at home, don't do this if you're driving, but if not, you know, bend your arm, make a muscle, feel that bicep there. That represents around 3 to 5% of the muscle in your body. That's about how much you lose every decade after the age of 30. And muscle protects us in a lot of different ways. You probably already know how important muscle health is to bone health and how important it is to preventing falls and fractures and, and frailty. But it's also very important in preventing weight gain for a number of reasons. Because muscle burns more calories than fat, because muscle stores blood sugar. So as we eat, we're able to store that blood sugar instead of turning it into fat. But as we get older, our bodies have difficulty turning the protein in our food into muscle. So at age 20, you have a glass of milk. It's got eight grams of protein. Your body drinks it down and boom, starts making muscle. Somebody my age in their 50s, I drink a glass of milk. My body goes, eh, what? what do you want me to do with this? That's called, that's as, as Heidi um, said, it's, it's something called anabolic resistance. That's just a technical term that means our mic muscle button needs to be punched harder. We develop a resistance to starting that process of turning protein our diets into muscle. So we need to eat bigger doses of protein. Most of us already eat enough protein during the day. Mm -hmm. The problem is we eat. 10 or less grams in the morning. And then at dinner, we have the burger or the chili or the steak, and we're eating 60 grams on average. What we need to do is shift that to eat between 25 and 30 grams of protein in the morning and at lunch and at dinner. That way, your make muscle button is always being punched and you're always in muscle maintenance phase. So you're not going to have the age-related muscle loss that leads to age-related weight gain. That makes a lot of sense. So it's really about the consistency throughout the day of the protein intake we have instead of gorging on it at one meal, right? Is you know, like so it's about right, sorry. so it is about dose yeah. and timing. Okay. Right? You need to reach a threshold level to get that muscle protein synthesis. And you need to have it in appropriate timing. So it's dose and timing. Again, most people don't have, you know, they might have a bowl of cereal or even a bowl of oatmeal, which we think of as being so very, you know, nutritious. And it is, but there's not enough protein. So it's not until you pair that oatmeal with some nuts and some Greek yogurt mm -hmm. or have it with some eggs and reach that 25 grams of protein for women, 30 for men at breakfast and then continue on, you know, then whether it's a turkey sandwich at lunch or whether you're going, you know, even if you're plant-based, it's really though having that, that target in mind in order to make that protein synthesis happen and not, and resist breaking down muscle. Okay. So it's a little, well, it sounds to me anyway, like a little bit like how we regulate blood sugar and you don't want to have a spike in blood sugar at different times of the day. So similarly, you want to have the right amount of protein at the right amount of time during the day to kind of keep that consistently going, having the body churning that protein into 
into the the proper muscle stuff. That's really interesting. And does the yeah, it's not the dissimilar. Oh, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not dissimilar. But when you talk about diabetes, you're talking about insulin resistance. Yeah. When you talk about muscle, you're talking about anabolic resistance. It's just a matter of our bodies are able to do all the things that they weren't say, were once able to do, but we need to manage our doses properly to eat for a uh, an upgraded, fancy new sports coupe that we're driving now instead of the uh, you know the junker that we moved around in in our twenties. That makes sense. So then, um, Heidi and Stephen, what are some simple steps that people can do that, you know, what are some simple changes they can make that will reverse some of that, you know, age-related weight gain? Is there something that we can do? One most important is protein timing. So having that adequate amount at each meal starting at breakfast. Two is stop dieting. Think of this more as a plan and a concept. Eat enough calories so that you keep your metabolism going. As Steve indicated before, when we diet all those years that we've wasted and trying to restrict calories, that that actually lowers our metabolism. That, That works opposite. And when we lose weight in that way, we lose we lose muscle as well as fat. And that muscle is really hard earned. So we really encourage you to eat enough and to eat those well balanced meals. There's more than just protein that is the cornerstone, but we do care about calcium. We do care for bone health for lots of different reasons, right? But we care, we, we do absorb less of that. We care about fiber and fiber helps our microbiome, right? It's not just the fact that it can help lower cholesterol and can, one of the really great reasons that fiber is important in addition to helping us feel full and all of that is that our microbiome is how we absorb foods, like a healthy microbiome helps absorb. So if I take in a calcium-rich food and you take in a calcium-rich food, we may not each be absorbing the same amount of calcium. And so taking an adequate fiber will really help with our microbiome. In terms of fiber, we also talk about the importance of fruits and vegetables. Interestingly enough, studies show that older people who eat the most fruits and vegetables retain the most muscle as they age. And we believe this probably has to do with inflammation because inflammation is muscle's enemy. That makes a lot of sense. And then as you said, that those healthy nutrition concepts that apply across the board for protecting us from all kinds of chronic diseases, like as you said, from you know bone loss to you know diabetes and heart disease, it's all the same tenets, right? Making sure that you're getting these the fiber and the fruits and vegetables. And I think it's just really interesting how that protein timing can play such an important role as we move forward. Does what you learned from the book or what you, you, you talk about in the book, does it impact how we exercise? Does exercise play a role in this as well? Or is it specifically kind of nutrition focused? Well, we're, the book is primarily focused on nutrition, but exercise certainly does play a role. And I think, you know, Heidi knows more about this area than I do, but I will say that a variety of exercise is really important. So as we age, Look, everything is important. Nutrition is important from the time we are, you know, from pediatrics all the way through however long we can live. The role it plays and how it impacts our body changes. So exercise is important at every stage, but at our stage, we really, really, really want to be sure we're getting in resistance training. And I do think a lot of people midlife and beyond have come from more of a cardio 
background and thinking, oh, I got to put those that time in on the elliptical and let me get on that treadmill and go longer. Cardio is important. I mean, they're all important, but doing getting strength training in at least twice a week is so important for maintaining that muscle. Cardio is not going to help you maintain your muscle. Make sure you get in that resistance training, which helps keep your muscles strong, which pulls on bone and helps with your bone health and keeping your bone health strong. The protein combined with strength training is really, really key. And then we have balance exercises. You know, there are other things as we get older for different reasons, but for maintaining muscle, you have to do that resistance training. And Heidi, just to remind people, when we talk about resistance training, what are some examples of resistance types exercises? So I should say strength training. It's really strength training, right? And it's using resistance to help foster that strength. And so it can be it can be machines, it can be lifting dumbbells, it can be using bands. There's lots of different ways to create that resistance. It can be body weight, but it is creating a resistance that your muscles are working against to help stimulate them to get stronger. And when you provide the exercise, the stimulus plus the protein, that's a winning pair to maintain. And it's really not just, you know, we're not talking about just looking good, right? You know, we're talking about and feeling good. I mean, absolutely strength training builds confidence and posture and, you know, and strength, but it's function. It's really allowing you. And I think when you're 40 and 50, I think by 50, you're thinking about it, certainly by 60, but really I've said this before, and I think it is so important. This is stuck you know, in my mind and motivates me, what I do now predicts my vitality 10 years from now. And so when I'm not motivated, I think, what does my future self want? And I go, okay, I'm motivated now, right? Like my today self's not so motivated, but my future self is really going to thank me. And so really getting in a balanced exercise plan will help you stay functionally strong. That's really important. As you said, trying to motivate for the for the future that we want. And that's obviously really important when we talk about bone health. You know, again, it's not something that people tend to think about until they have a fracture. And then all of a sudden it becomes this, you know, terrible burden and changes really can be life-changing when it comes to this. So this is so relevant and important to all of our listeners too. So I understand that the book, in addition to addressing how we can change our approach to nutrition and fitness, you also provide some recipes and, and meal planning uh, information in the book. Is that included too? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we've got about 60 recipes of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There are lots of very easy smoothies. You know, breakfast, again, is the thing that most people need to change, and we make it very, very simple to do that. Still eating all the foods that you really love. We even have a guide to eating out at your favorite restaurants. You can follow this program at McDonald's, at Starbucks at Olive Garden, at Popeye's, we tell you how to do that. And then, um, you know, if you want to cook at home, we've got you covered as well. That's good. Thank goodness you said Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) During the pandemic, that's become a greater part of my life, that little little pick-me-up on coffee. So I'm going to have to check that out for sure. So let's talk about the two biggest takeaways that you'd like our listeners to leave with today, thinking about what you've shared in the book, uh, what you've shared in your experiences. If there were two things you'd want our listeners to take away from this conversation, what would that be? Stephen, I'll start with you. Eat more protein, especially at breakfast. Resistance training, 
and balanced training become even more important after age 40. And then my second point would be look to expand your food choices, not restrict them. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your food. That many of the popular diets out there are so restrictive and punishing. Why would you electively try to even follow them? To really recognize Mm -hmm. that food can be pleasurable and celebratory as well as nutritious, that you don't have to eat perfectly to eat healthfully, and that this is really more about sort of patterns Mm -hmm. than trying to be strict and following, you know, you can't eat after a certain time and you can't eat this food and you have to start over. That's not what this is about. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think this is going to be a really valuable tool to people, particularly those of us who are into midlife and thinking about how do we optimize our health. I think this is really fantastic. And I love that idea. Again, it's never about, you know, the making it so burdensome that people don't want to do it. It has to be something that people are going to be able to adjust and incorporate into their lives. So I'm definitely going to switch out my morning thing. I have been doing exactly as you said, and then I wonder why, you know, the weight gain continues is, you know, that, oh, I'll skip breakfast, right? I don't need it in the morning. I'm able to do without that. That's the easiest time for me to just say no to it. But in actuality, I'm doing the most harm to myself. So I find that fascinating. And I'm going to try to switch that out. And um, listeners, I'll let you know how it goes. If I'm noticing a better uh, better response when I get that protein in the morning. So I really appreciate that. And we appreciate that you both took the time to create this wonderful book that will be available to everyone. We are going to have information about this book on our website. And Heidi and Stephen, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. We appreciate hearing about your new book, showcasing science-based evidence and practical tips for tackling age-related weight gain. As I mentioned, we'll have links to Heidi and Stephen's book on other episode resources at bonetalk.org. And for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share with all your family and friends. Thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing and seeing you in the next episode of Bone Talk. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved, and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. 